Come in. Hey, man, I'm sorry I might the train Shut up! You're here! And good thing, because we've got lots of work. Katie Lazarus, the talk show featuring unforgettable guests with incredible jobs. And now, here's my boss and your host, Katie Lazarus. Hello, hello, hello. I'm Katie Lazarus, and I'm delighted to bring you my interview with Rachel Feinstein. If it sounds like two friends catching up, it's because we are. That is how she landed on this podcast. Um, But she's also here because she's such a phenomenal example of what it takes um, to make it in stand-up. She never went to college, started um, from the bare bones in the beginning, uh, just going around to open mics and seeing how it was. And now she opens for Louis C.K. and uh, Amy Schumer. She's always on Inside Amy Schumer, as well as The Nightly Show with Larry Wilmore, HBO's Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. She's even co-hosted The View a bunch. And she had her own series with um, Upload with Shaquille O'Neal. Makes perfect sense, wouldn't, wouldn't you? Um, you may have seen her in HBO's Crashing or Red Oaks on Amazon. But I want to recommend that you check out her specials including Only Wear, Only Whores Wear Purple. It's her most recent special. She's had three of them on Comedy Central. So here's my interview with the one and only Rachel Feinstein. I'm, I'm absolutely thrilled uh, to be here with, with Rachel Feinstein because Rachel is an unbelievable comedian, as you heard in our intro. But um, when my, my family like had no idea what I was doing in stand-up, and then they saw you perform, and they were like, because I don't, even though we grew up so differently you embodied everything that was like everything like I, I actually think I want to be your mom which would make you like <laughs> my daughter we can try that as an exercise <laughs> but it was just, it was a validation and then they were like so why would you exist because she's pretty great at it already which is true and so I did no, stand up there's after. no why would you exist wait what is happening here no this took a terrible left turn <laughs> no it, I don't want to do it into a compare contrast thing but I have to say like it was pretty exciting it was pretty exciting. Oh well, yeah. we we do have a lot of in common because we're both from uh, wait, DC. I think we are, right? We're both yeah. from DC. Didn't you go to Georgetown Day or JDS? No, I went to um, Mirai. Oh, okay, like, never mind. That's another impressive school, though. It's it only to someone who doesn't know it. That's what. Okay, so something that wouldn't matter to anyone. <laughs> do you know Ben Kaplan? He went there. Yeah, I do. You know Ben? Yes. Oh my God, he's like my best friend growing up's older brother. Really? He was really cute and really obnoxious. And yeah, he was like, he was pretty popular. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and yeah. obnoxious. That's yeah. hilarious. Yeah. And now he's a writer in Toronto. So um, when I was in, you know, I was just there. I saw him. And then, you know, when I did Montreal, he like interviewed me. He talked about what, you know, like a weird jarring dork I was. Is that true? Yeah, I mean, I was so in, I was so intimidated by him and his like cool friends. Totally. And, then, and I broke my nose at this. I didn't mean to talk about this, but I broke my nose at this party with them. It was like her brother, you know, he, he threw this party at all his cool friends. And I was like so excited and nervous. You know, I'm like, this is the moment they'll all discover they're aroused by me. And then I just ran and jumped over the couch to try to be funny or something. <laughs> and I slipped and fell and smashed my nose into this glass table in front of their couch and the Kaplans uh, were not pleased. Um, they didn't know about the party at all. But then I broke my nose all over everything. And, and I was like, 
bleeding everywhere. And I was just this big annoyance. Like, Ben and his friends were having this big, cool party. And like, God damn it, Lisa's dumb friend Feinstein broke her nose. I like that everyone's concerned either, like, about, like, you ruining the furniture or the party, and no one is concerned about your health. (laughs) One guy drove me to the hospital, one of his friends. I was just, I mean, I looked so crazy. My nose looked, I look like a different person, you know? It's a terrifying thing to break your nose because you think you're never going to, you just, like, you look at your face and you're like, I'm a changed person. But You're also the only Jewish female where it was like, no, it really was a deviated septum. (laughs) Well, I never did get a nose job. I just have a bump now where I broke it. I had 10 stitches and a bump. Yeah, if you look to the side, you can see. But um, anyway, so I was just they were all uh, equally disgusted and Ben never really forgot it. I was just like broken, broken nose girl, you know, that that ruined New Year's Eve, really. I feel Um, like that those were the boys. I think. Okay, so this is sort of for me, that's really funny because those were the kind of boys that like when I did go into stand up and like went to the comedy cellar Mm -hmm. was like familiar with that kind of like teasing and like making fun of me <laughs> that is where that almost like because there's a part of you that's like is this like just a masochistic thing for me to like be sitting here while like people pummel me <laughs> and yet it's like so familiar from those boys yeah and like wanting to please them and like because they were yeah that's so funny so you know the exact i know that kind ones. of guy because i just wanted them all to like because when i went out wait it Jewish sleepaway camp again I'm not name dropping but when I was away at um, summer Jew camp they were doing like a dance and one of the counselors which is one of those like you know good looking older Jews and they this boy was trying to decide whether he should dance with me and this other girl and he did one of these huddles with like three counselors and I still remember the discussion it was very quick but they did like a vote the counselors voted on which girl, and all three of them voted that it should be the other girl, not me. And they were like, "Why would you even consider that? Like, no, the other one's hot." She's it's so gross. infuriating. <laughs> I know, but it like also infuriates me like how much leverage counselors and teachers like had over our yeah. lives and whether they liked us or not. Like, I remember this one girl, Melissa, was upset and she was like, "Katie called me a bitch," and so like the counselors took me aside and like, "What if?" What if she had called me one first? Which I is- know. That happened to me a lot where another kid's story would be the main story. And what happened to me too is I get too embarrassed and nervous to tell my side of me the too. story. Me too. And then I would just be paralyzed in fear. And then they would win. Meanwhile, half the time they were talking a lot of shit. And I was yes. just, you know, like terrified and gnarled and jacked up and strange. But it's- their story won, which is not, yeah, it's not it good. It is like, it's an interesting thing. Like, I wish I had been like one of those brave people who were like, no. But instead, like... That just reinforced like a sort of like weird fear where I would shut down with authority. Yeah, I totally I'm I definitely relate to that. I feel like when I'm given like it took me a long time that when I was given critique that I wouldn't immediately like just withdraw, you know, because I just always felt like critique any critique meant like you're bad. You stink. Just go ahead and quietly give up and leave the room and please take your things and uh, don't contact us. Never contact us again. <laughs> it's taken me a while to understand that even when a compliment is coming my way, that's not know, actually like telling it's me to please It's hard to not leave. argue and to like not offer. I've had to learn to do that. Yeah. Like when people say like great show, I'm like, oh yeah, this thing. And I'm like, don't add the thing. Don't apologize. Just thank you and stop it. Stop it. <laughs> yeah, don't you don't need to like bring up something you think was awry that they didn't notice. That know? they didn't notice. But what's okay? So what's interesting to me is like you had nurturing parents, so you had a, a mom who was like very seemingly like um, active and and I would say conscious, civic conscious. What's yeah, the way you would say socially that? Conscious. Like, socially conscious. 
Yeah. I'm learning English. Um, Civic minded <laughs> is what I meant. Civic minded. She was, yeah, and she so was. But there was, thing, you know, she, there she's was, still a Jewish mom. Yeah, well, she converted. She she wasn't. Oh. She didn't grow up Jewish, but she, you know, she was. She's plenty neurotic, and she would she would say that, you know, like she's definitely, yeah. I understand but, but, but that very, other people can be neurotic, but very loving. But yeah, but it wasn't. You know, I mean, it's like there's still always stuff. But yeah. <laughs> But yeah, they were they were very accepting, and they pushed me definitely to do exactly what I wanted to do. Yeah, like in the art. Was that because your so your dad is a jazz musician, right? He's a blues musician. Blues musician. I apologize. Yeah. No, I don't care. Um, he's a very talented man, and so is she. Talented uh, therapist, social worker now. Um, he's he played uh, he plays piano and zydeco accordion. Awesome. Howie Feinstein, Hurricane Howie. Look like. him up. Get involved in Howie's journey. He's very active on Facebook. His profile picture, he's just sort of glaring. It's very confusing. There's some Judaism <laughs> books behind him, and he looks very stern. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a chilling picture, but uh, very confusing expression, just sort of glaring in the distance. And then my mom goes onto my dad's Facebook page, and she comments on my friend's photos. And Weird. she doesn't understand. Like, they just share the email account, Facebook, you know. But it's my dad's picture. And then my mom goes on, and she likes to tell my <laughs> friends from high school that they look hot. So she'd be like, looking gorgeous, Susan. And then it'll just be my dad glaring, you know, with weird folk, folklore and Judaism books behind him. And it just looks like he goes around and hits on all my friends. So weird. Like, looking foxy, Susan. And then there's just Howard glaring. Wait, and your brothers are both gorgeous. And they um, seem totally stable and put together and normal. And I talk to my brothers, one of them like, a twice a day. I'm really close with them. Yeah. Yeah, that is kind of extraordinary. Were you guys always that close? No, I mean, when I was little, my older brother, um, I mean, he would dispute this. But I feel like my, my childhood was just like a sea of, like, headlocks and half Nelsons and him just, like, he was just always watching wrestling and trying the moves out on me while he was watching. You know, yeah. just, like, absently flipping my dumb body around and you How know? many years older? <laughs> um, he was three years older. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he did a lot of torture. Like, not act – I mean, like, this kind of torture. Like, not torture, torture. But, like, he would t- – when he took his socks off, he would just – the natural thing would just be to go find me. I honestly think it was – he wasn't even aware he was doing it. Put the socks on my face and then just sort of count down slowly. That was just his ritual every evening. <laughs> the socks off, find my face. And then most things were, like – he would call everything like Chinese, whatever the kind of torture was. So it'd be like Chinese talk torture. And then it would be like, ha, na, na, ha, la, ha, and just like weird non Asian <laughs> sounds. Yes. And then he would just push the sock on me. If we were at the pool, it would be like Chinese water torture. And then just hold my head down. Again, nothing to do with China, but everything was just Chinese, whatever the kind of act of torture it was. And Chinese water torture was just holding my head underwater. But he doesn't remember any of this. And he is now this very kindly, you know, yeah. liberal, smart writer, nicest guy in the world, amazing dad. He just, when he was very young, he, he always was just very bright red and irrational and, you know, Love just it. wrestling everything and tackling. Did your brothers wrestle and stuff? Yeah. Oh my God, yeah. Wait, and he lives in LA, right? He was living in Brooklyn, but yeah, they just they moved to Santa Monica. He works in advertising, and he's a writer, and he's like really funny and awesome. And we talk every day. We just we were just Facetiming. I mean, that's amazing. With him and the kids, yeah. Okay, so how old are the kids? Because his daughter's really super Isn't smart. She's so cute. The one with the glasses. Cece. She. Uh, Amy interviewed her on Inside Amy Schumer. Okay, so let's check talk that about out. This. Yeah. Um. <laughs> let's get the behind the scenes. The behind the scenes of 
her my, being on Inside Amy Schumer. She's so cute. Um, well, I mean, a, you know, Amy and I always just talk about each other's nieces all the time. And my niece yeah. is, well, she's she's really unusual. So she got very frustrated with her toys because um, her Legos specifically because she felt like the girls, the Lego girls didn't do enough as she put action things. And she's like, I want to be action. And they don't do enough actions. I have to use the boys to do the actions. I love her. And she's like, I shouldn't. I want to be an action person. And the girls don't do enough actions. So she got very frustrated. So she would take the girl heads and put them on the boy action bodies. Oh God, I'm like in love. I know. And she was like, the girls should do more actions. So she wrote, um, I mean, her mom, no, she didn't write. Her mom took pictures of these little Legos because she would get frustrated. So she would spend time reconstructing her whole Lego set. And take the actions and put them on the, you know, with the girl heads. And then her mother made a little blog who's also a writer. Um, and she uh, did a little blog of her Lego creations and called them Cece's Badass Lego Girls. And then Huffington Post picked it up. It, the thing went yes. viral. Yes. And then they did an article about, like, you know, her frustration with her Lego set. And then, um, yeah. And then so Amy interviewed her. Uh, just about her life and kind of everything. <laughs> and uh, it was really funny because she's hysterical. Um, she was very excited by all of it, but overwhelmed, too, because she's not really a performer. Yeah, she's very funny and sarcastic, but and she'd never earnest. been on TV before. And so my brother flew in. They know they Amy inside Amy. She flew her in. <laughs> so she'd never been flown in and she'd never been on a set. And there was all this commotion. Right? So she was terrified when she got to the set. How old was she? Five. Oh my uh, god! Yeah, and so we got her to sit in the st- in, in the bar. It's hilarious because that series of interviews was being yes. done at a bar. So it's just her tiny little legs dangling, <laughs> and Amy interviewing her. Um, and she, it took her a while. She was definitely absolutely terrified, but then she did. She was great. She did it, and she's so cute. Um, one of the things she discussed in her interview was that she was told every day that she really wanted to take karate, and basically all she had to do was like not hit her brother for I think it was like three days in a row and so she wasn't able to make it through one day at the time she <laughs> this is how i feel about eating sugar so i understand <laughs> we all lash out in different ways i lash like, out oh, on myself my- she lashes out on someone else yeah she'd be like oh i hit my brother again like it was something that happened to her like, it's actually a choice that you made and you raised your own hand to do so but she's really funny like uh i asked her i said um I was like, she does these little funny, she likes to tell jokes, and so she has this joke book. She told like Amy 40 jokes to get her kind of calmed down, and then we had to slowly ply the joke book out of her hand. (laughs) She's like, another one, another one, you know? So she does these jokes, and my brother listens to them all day, and he was like, he's like, great, you know? And then she, I was over there, and she tells, she's like, one more. She has another joke, and my brother's like, funny. And she goes, you know what? Your fake laugh disgusts me. Oh my God. (laughs) amazing it disgusts me so she's really funny and now she's people keep taking notice of her so but she doesn't have any interest in doing anything in the arts so but they don't push her in that direction that's also great though yeah so she just likes to play handball and hang out but somebody else also five and she's yeah she's now six but yeah i apologize she's uh, in the winter of her life now um (laughs) but their next door neighbor that they're really close with Asked if he could put her in this music video, Sturgill Simpson's video. And so she stars in this music. It's kind of like an anti-Trump country video. 
Like it's called like all this. around you. It's amazing, and it's like it's got like you know four hundred or five hundred thousand hits. Like you know, it's, it's more a than pretty I've popular. Had in my life. I haven't been video. hit that much. <laughs> her brother has, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, she's uh, she's really killing it. You got to see her in this video because she's really cute. She's got her little red glasses, and oh, she's she's doing all her these action things in the video. She gets to be action. The whole video is just about being action. You know, she's so she actually really enjoyed herself making it. And then so does your your younger brother? Does he live here or does he live in? He lives in Maryland in Bethesda, and uh, he's a social worker like my mom in like a DC school. And yeah, he's really wonderful. And he, uh, him and his wife went to Costa Rica and the Peace Corps for a few years, and then they, he learned to speak Spanish fluently, which I tell everybody. He's like, can you just introduce people me to people? Totally. Without, I introduced like, my brother as the peace <laughs> activist, and it's like you can see him cringe. And like my brother is a peace <laughs> activist in the Middle East. And like it's, but it's cool, and you're proud, yeah, right? Totally. My brother's like, like it's emasculating, it's humiliating. He's like, stop telling people like I'm a gentle, kind social worker. Totally. That lear- recently learned to speak Spanish. Just like say, this is my brother. He's like, you go. This is my little brother. Totally. And then I just see these lists of like his gentle qualities. He's like, it's humiliating. I have to learn to stop. <laughs> so funny. I do it all the time. But and peace now, activist is really impressive. Like, it's I impressive, yeah. right? Like, and so, and then like he'll cringe. And then part of me does it just to make him cringe. So it's like I went from like being like really thoughtful to the uh, the flip side, the sibling side. Mm-hmm. I'll do that, or I'll like hug my brothers too long just to watch my sister in laws kind of like be like, what is going on? And it's just an odd. It's sort of like your older brother doing the sock thing. Yeah, like it's just a weird sibling. Like this will this will get them. And you're like, totally. I think they just think that's weird. Wait, so okay, so when you moved here. Um, you were 18 or 17? 17. Like 17 years old. And you yeah. just like got up, left D.C.? Oh, no, I moved with my boyfriend at the time. Okay. In a, his band called Dick Sister. <laughs> Smart life choices, doing things the right way. <laughs> but it, it was kind of you. And you've always had, I'm so impressed by all of your roommates. Can we just talk? Can we go through the line of all the comedians starting from the beginning that you have lived with? Oh, you know, I haven't lived with that many comedians. I've lived with a couple, but I've had just odd Long living before l- situations. Well, so that was Dick's sister. And after Dick's sister, I moved in with a Bengali family that I met in the Greyhound when I was visiting <laughs> my parents, going back to D.C. Because I just took that Greyhound trip from D.C. to New York, like, all every weekend. Yes. I was so lonely in New York, you know. And then I met this lovely uh, Bengali woman, and she shared her bagel with me. And then I was weeping over my breakup, and she was like, come live with me. And she was like, we'll take, uh, we'll have a wonderful life. She said, we'll take yoga in the mornings, and we'll take toast, and we'll take marmalade. And I was like, I want to take marmalade and take toast. Like, it just sounded very pleasing. She said, we'll take yoga, we'll take marmalade, we have a good life. So I was like, yes, everything. Where did and she so live? I moved in with her. She lived in Woodhaven. Queens? So I, in Queens. So I joined her Bengali family for a while. And then after that, I lived with this guy named Maury on the Upper East Side. I found him through some roommate service. Yeah, because this is all before Craigslist. Yeah. And then. This is before, like, we had dialogue. This is in the early 1900s. This and, is uh, when. And then we he had picked to me up in a stagecoach. <laughs> and my girdle was killing me, strangling me. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, so we. I lived with Maury for a while. And then I lived with. Uh, with well, my friend Susan Huang, she's really funny. She's a singer and her sister Cindy. And then um, I lived with uh, Sherrod Small. Yeah. And Tony Rock. Well, actually, Tony Rock didn't really live there. He just was there all the time. They would terrorize me. And 
they were like our, my family when we started. You know, we like moved together. We would joke that we were like com- we were a common law wed, all of us. But you they, mean into new apartments together? We moved. Yes, we we changed locations. Disgusting. <laughs> it is disgusting. Like really? Yeah. And and they had girls over all the time. I mean, they were just. But you had it, such and, an emotional. And they wouldn't let me. Brain. They wouldn't let me bring guys over. They would just terrorize if I ever had a guy over. Just. T- just like so you wouldn't want to anyway it wasn't worth it yeah and then i was like more into stand-up at that time anyway but like yeah i would i would whenever i brought a guy over there they would uh just make his life a living hell because they just the idea of me even with a man they found so preposterous they're like yeah dumb goofy (laughs) rachel can't be like she doesn't hook up with men you know rachel i feel like you have like a combination (laughs) of like extraordinary confidence and total like it's not lack of confidence it's just like letting not letting it phase you that's what it is it's a hole it's called a hole (laughs) no i don't think it is i'm realizing i don't think it's like a pathological thing i think you just like let things go you have a high tolerance. I think at that time, I mean, at that time, I was, you know, I was like in my early 20s. I was I a mess like everybody is in their early I, 20s, you still, know? Still, still. But I would have been battered down. By the guys and if stuff? If I was living with that, that those guys. You know, the guy stuff that would be annoying, but see, but we also had so much fun. I know. Because we just. Because yeah, they are so much we fun. We were so poor. Yeah. And you had to like walk through my room to get to the bathroom and there was like a shower in the kitchen that barely worked and it was one of those old law tenement buildings our rent was like four five like we had some crazy rent uh like what's that not rent stabilized but the other one rent controlled controlled yeah so it was like some insane deal i acted like i was on a game show and i was like i've got this for us (laughs) you i was very impressed you grabbed that fast so we were so poor did we win a rent controlled apartment from that (laughs) we did we better but like i and I was a nanny five days a week and, you know, and, but we had so much fun because we were just like, and then you would do stand up at night. Yeah. We used to call our apartment squalor. So he'd be like, meet you back at squalor, nine o'clock, like beers, let's all, and then we would all meet over there. Like me and him and Buddy Bolton who lived next door, this oh other comic. God. And yeah, so we would all just hang out and, and it was, it was like a fun, we would free time, we would run up this tab at the deli and then we would walk on York so we didn't have to walk past the deli on first. You know, because we owed them $70 or whatever it was. And then I'd get my nanny check and go buy, finally pay my deli tab. And yeah, we were, it was a lot of, it was a life of a lot of avoidance and, um, yeah, and fear. But, you know, and rejection because it was like doing open mics and starting stand up. But it was also so much fun. Yes. You know, we just didn't care about anything. I couldn't agree more. Like, it's like a weird combo. And like, I can't ever, like, I think people want, want to fixate on one or the other side of that and you can't because it's like it was all happening at once I know you're in crashing right now and um, Pete Holmes's show and I think it actually does it does a great job of getting the feeling from his perspective but I do think mm-hmm. he does show like Boston Comedy Club and oh yeah I remember yeah, that yeah. yeah like that's that world I mean he didn't get beat up in the way that we did it was yeah it was hard though it was it was yeah, I don't know. I don't know how I did that to myself. I sometimes wonder if I would what would have happened to me if I didn't do that to myself. You know what I mean? Yes. Well, no. But the other thing that's odd is like there's a whole generation of comedians that like absolutely did not, and like they don't even know what that is. Like, and it's yeah. not that far behind us. That's the funny yeah. part to me is like you're simultaneously getting up with people who just like didn't have to go through that or didn't put themselves through that. I don't know what the right answer is there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but I do, I did have like, a, I have so much affection for that world. Yeah, it's, it's. It was like a community. That was the other thing that was really it nice. Was. It feels like a community. That's the thing about comics. It's like, 
you know, they get a bad rap and you know, for for their narcissism or whatever the qualities no, that's were not always a bad rap. It's a, it's a correct rap. Sure, yeah, but going. yes, but also I feel like if something happens to a comic, like nobody, you know, responds faster. You know, yes. nobody raises money faster. Like it is a family. It's like yeah. a, you know, and very much so. Yeah, and everything I've gotten is from comedians, and so it's weird because the stand up world is always called cutthroat. But I'm like. I don't know a lot of businesses where you get that much help from your peers. I mean, everything I've ever gotten was from other comedians. I think that's interesting, too. But I I think you can have both at the same time, right? Like, I can, like, it's funny that you say that. Because the comedians I'm thinking of who are cutthroat are not the same ones who are the ones who are giving. Right. That's true. And so I think that, like, the comedy world is also so much more heterogeneous now that, like, we're actually referencing two different people. Right, right, Does that right. make sense? Mm-hmm. Like, but... The other thing that I thought was funny is, like, the guys at the cellar, at least Wait, they were, what does that mean again? I pretended I knew. Okay. So what I mean by there is, like, I'm, I'm just, like, evading using examples. That's the problem. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's like, of people who I'd be like, no, they are really obnoxious. Basically, whoever is a sh- an asshole is not going to be nice. But sure, there are a lot of people who are really nice in the comedy world. Yeah, yeah. They're not yeah. all, but, Matches. you know. And I was, I was going to piggyback on that and take... Um, just to say that, like, when I worked in foster care and then I came into comedy, and like, there are a, a lot of menches in the world. Once you find them, yeah, like, yeah. there are some really good eggs there. And I think once you get to a certain point, you're welcome in. That's true, too. Yeah. Like, that, I think it's extremely alienating and intimidating at first. Absolutely. Yeah. And like, lonely and sad. And then, then you kind of get to a place where also you don't feel like, oh, but that person got X or Y. You're not like, oh, Rachel Feinstein exists, therefore I can't. Although, Rachel, you do fulfill a great role in the comedy pantheon, <laughs> so I'm not really sure why anyone else needs to be on it. Oh, um, so wait, so when you started doing impressions, can you just tell me, like, because they're not real, they're characters more to me than impressions in many ways. Like, I feel like you, like, embody these characters. Um, when, when did you start doing them on stage? Was that the first thing you did, or did you have a joke book like Cece, your niece? Uh, I did. Didn't have a joke book. I never remember jokes, like traditional jokey jokes. I have no memory for them. Like right now, I probably couldn't think of five joke jokes. No. Um, more of a storyteller. So like uh, when I started, I just went on and told long-winded, aimless stories about people that I thought were characters in my life. And I didn't understand, you know, how to relate with the people in the crowd and really bring them in. And it was kind of deranged and uh, I bombed a lot and often – the microphone wouldn't even be pointed at my mouth. I'd forget to adjust it. So sometimes it would just be sort of diagonally pointed upward, kind of like north. Yes. And then instead of towards my mouth, and then I would just ramble, and they would wave me off stage and try to give me the light. And I uh, I would just be, yeah, I was awful, and I would bomb, well, ag- I mean, aggressively you're... bomb. And then, you know, I learned how to, like, shorten things and – but I liked, you know, doing impressions of people. I knew people that had little affectations. I've always noticed I, things like that, you know? I loved, like, your mom. I loved, like, your boyfriend's mom. <laughs> like, it was such an incredible thing. And then you would do your grandmother. Like, but they were they were real. They they felt so textured. I'm like, they were real. And, like, they Aww, did feel. Sweet. They did feel real. And so 
that's kind of lovely that you were able to do this like and just do your own thing at the same time and not feel like you didn't go through a phase where you're like I should wear shoulder pads because this is what other comedians do or did you did you did you ever experience identity issues and wonder <laughs> if you should I think I be I, more like I think I tried I had some sort of attitude in like on stage that wasn't really me in the beginning like if I watch old videos of myself I'm like for the love of God yeah shut up I'd really like to just quietly put myself down yeah but um, I didn't really like try out a whole persona or anything. I was just I was nervous, so I tried to, you know, overcompensate. I think I strut around a little bit, like a lot of weird, you know. And I'm like, stop walking like that. Or I'll <laughs> say know? something that's like factually incorrect. Like I remember I was like making a joke about the Dalai Lama, and then I'm like, as Hindi priests, and like it wasn't true, and I just like wouldn't. <laughs> really, I wouldn't just make up a creative lie. That's so <laughs> And I, but the worst but it, like, part, a fact about history or culture, totally. And it was like a childlike thing where I didn't <laughs> correct it in the moment too. I just let it go. It was this, you know, I mean, it's like a brain. It is a brain fart, and you're just yeah. like, I'm just gonna pretend. And you just have to acknowledge them. You have to take those yeah. brain farts and acknowledge them because they don't smell as bad as it seems, you know. <laughs> um, and so. You worked for, but I think most people did, like Tina Fey, Amy Poehler, all of these people worked for years and years and years. But when did you start to feel like, I don't know, like good about what you were doing and being like, yeah, this is me. I'm a stand up. Um, I'm a, I'm a I guess woman who when I got, stands. <laughs> I guess when I got my first half hour Comedy Central special I and I quit that. my day job, that was like a really exciting I went time. to your taping. Oh, you did? Yeah. The one with the blue writing? Oh, really? (laughs) Oh, that's so cool. That's how I know about your brothers and everything like that. Oh, wait. Now I do remember that. Yeah, I remember you wrote back to the email. You were like one of the first people, (laughs) you know? You were like, you were a little quick on that draw. Uh, No, but no, I I mean, I I remember I put all the information wrong. First, you know, and I had had to write that mass email like three times. That was more stressful than the taping itself. And then that is every email. If people get on my mailing list, I can assure them (laughs) there there will be at least one typo. I was so nervous. I just kept praying that there was going to be a fire. I had a lot of fire-based fantasies that the building would just go on fire, and then um, and that would be it. And then that, that would be it, and I wouldn't have to do it. But it was like whenever I get something like that, I I book the thing. And then I panic. And then I'm like, I can't do this. The Comedy Central's made a grave mistake. And then I work really hard and try to catch up with the thing. You know, yes. I, there's never any like sit down and just write now. It's always like a, something I should have done a week ago and panic. Yeah. That's one thing I look at like Amy Schumer, like with, I mean, there are many things I look at Amy Schumer with intense admiration. <laughs> but that was like one of them that, you know, I mean, she wins last comic standing and all of a sudden she has to do so much time on the road all the time because you don't get you don't get those kinds of hours in the city, even if even if you had hours of material to say. No, so, she says that that touring after was like so hard. It's also just isolating that tour. You I know? know, but that's like it makes me like really proud, like from afar. I'm just like, oh, yeah, it's so hard. I'm when I. I when like, I was eliminated oh. from Last Comic Standing, um, and I start all my sentences that way, um, <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was like number seven in the country. So I just missed wow. the tour, which is the five comics go on the tour, and I got a little cocky and I thought I was going to be on the tour, and then yeah. I was I was given the boot. And I'm sorry to hear, uh, <laughs> very painful. And I did. I wept and I ate a lot of chips. I did that last comic, night. Kelly Price's house. She's really hysterical, and she lives in L.A., and she was sweet. She welcomed me when I was freshly eliminated, and she gave me, like, chips and booze, and we just stayed up all night. Um, but anyway, Amy warned me. She's like, 
you she no she said you dodged a bullet missing that tour because it's it's so isolating and brutal and you're just on tour for like a full year afterwards so i was glad i missed it but i i know that you know she she'll she has a discipline. She just sits down and writes. Yes. I, I usually panic, and you know. she has to be that disciplined to be like she's I very disciplined. I think that she just does it. So she, I think I've never. She doesn't have that. Yeah, she just goes in her room and writes. People, <laughs> people tend to focus on like um, I don't know. They'll be like, well, that person has help. Like they have a ton of nannies, and I'm like, yeah, but they also sit down and write. You know, like when when they'll be like, yeah, but at that point you have all this help, and I'm like. That's part of it, but like that's a very small part of it. Like, yeah, it's that thing in you that you just sit down and do it, yeah. you know. And yeah. I and obsess and overthink, and I, I have to learn. You know, there's that weird guilt and all this kind of stuff. But um, yeah, some people they just sit down and they just knock it out. What like so now that you are doing all these acting roles though like you've been in um stuff with Judd Apatow and obviously Shaquille O'Neal I forgot to mention that you guys were you know doing a series together and uh, I'm probably Shakespeare in the Park soon and um I was just curious like <laughs> they <you> haven't <laughs> called <laughs> Shakespeare in the Park um I'm shocked they have not reached out or I must have missed I must have just missed them but now that you do do acting and um legitimate roles do you enjoy like is that more freeing? Like, how, what's that experience like versus stand up? Well, I like to do stand up always. Onus. Yeah, I, okay. ne- I never see it as like a means to an end. I hope I can always do it, you know. And if, if yeah, it's just this thing that like it's this box you place everything in that doesn't fit. So it's like so many of my stories or anything I talk about on stage. It usually starts with some weird jarring moment in my day, like, yes. and then I tell somebody and like, oh, yeah, you should talk about that. And you're like. Some strange, humiliating, off mangles. I love yeah. the one when you talked about. Well, there's so many, but but about the um, the sexts. Oh my god! Yeah, because I recently <laughs> when I said the dirty text of the wrong person. Yes. Yeah, okay. Of humiliating moments in my life. It made me so happy, and I'm sure this happens with tons of fans. But I am gonna step in that line and just say that. So the one person I would I would rather have sent one of those sex to my parents than the person who I ended up sending it to just to like be very oh my serious God. about when it. When we stop, you have to tell me. <laughs> yes, it's so crazy. I can't wait. But I was so happy to hear that because it did make me feel a little bit better of like. I was on the floor with humiliation. Just happened? I was about to go on stage when I realized I did it in Vegas and I just, I dropped to my knees. You know how people say that about grief? Yeah. I did that when I sent the dirty text <laughs> to the wrong person. I fell to my knees. Yes. I was so horrified. It is hor- I sent So I sent it to someone who's an evangelical Christian who, like, I had to remind myself had had sex at one point because she has a child. Like, Oh, at least this was a woman. Uh, no, I don't know if that's an at least. Like, I feel like I'd rather have sent it to a woman. <laughs> it, was, it was an extraordinarily – like, she sends me Jesus pictures, but had I not known her my whole life, I would – you know, we wouldn't know each other kind of thing. Yeah. Like then, pictures of Jesus? Yes. Paintings? Um, she's a picture or of photographs. She's I'm a picture that of was Jesus leading Trump's I've ever hand. Said, Wait, what did you say? Like, photo I said or paintings <laughs> as opposed to photos. You're like, are what they acrylic the or watercolor? <laughs> that was one of the dumbest things I've ever said out loud. You're like, are, they, are the painting? What's what materials does she use <laughs> when she does those? Um, so, okay, and opening for Louis C.K. versus you know opening for Amy. Although now Amy opens for you sometimes too. I'm no, sure. Amy doesn't open for me, but that's <laughs> I like that you made that true for a moment. But no, um, <laughs> like they just declared that. Are there are there differences in opening for for different people? Yeah, definitely. I mean, Louis, I did this world tour with him this summer, and that was really fun because. And Louis C.K. is who we're talking about. 
Yeah, I was with Joe Mackey and Joe List, and they're really funny comics and just like good people. So it was fun yeah. to tour with people that you really like. We like loved each other by the end. It was like emotional because we went to 14 countries together. We saw wow. the whole world, and and it happened in this weird time where I was kind of just feeling a little like I don't know, just off or something. And then everything yeah. just got better after that tour. Like I, I, we just went away and we went to all these different places and and uh, you know. Israel and Ireland and France and Budapest and uh, I don't know. Um, yeah, and uh, 10 more countries. <laughs> Love this. I so, wish you guys needed a host, but they never need a host. I'd be, I'd be like, I'm here to host. Backseat hump. I love hosting. <laughs> <laughs> it was really fun. It was exciting. I'm a terrible host. I'm impressed that you're a good host. That's all I do. I like that. It's very hard for me because I don't. I'm, I'm, I get nervous about getting people's intros right. Well, most comedians aren't, um, I don't think, particularly good hosts. And I think most comedians are really, really good at, like, their own stories. And you have your own point of view. And I feel like it comes across like you can take hours on stage and we can watch it for hours. Yeah. Oh, thanks for it's saying a different that. kind I just of need scale. your voice in my head all the time. I'll be there. <laughs> I'll be there. That's it. Could be. But yeah, so I could creepy. say you could be a good host. I'm sure you're a great host because I've seen you host before and you are. And also, yeah, you're just very you're very warm. You do this. You're just like warm and and funny and engaging. So and and. Yeah, people like you. Sometimes people are really funny, but you want the post to also be just somebody you just nice. Like, like I got I got introduced. Last, I had the worst introduction last night. I was doing this. Oh, I can't say what I was doing, but I got introduced, and the introduction was like, I met Katie when she was having a nervous breakdown, and now she hosts this show, Employee of the Month. Please welcome Katie Lazarus. What? <laughs> and I was like, Are you kidding? Like, really? <laughs> and it was like, first of all, I was not having a nervous breakdown, but also like. Wait, what? Why would you say that? <laughs> because I yeah. like it is like a quality of just like being like, oh wait, so I just need to make sure that the audience has a reason to actually want to listen to this person. Besides, like we may need to call three one one or nine one one. Like that has to be there. Um, so when whores um, only wears only whores wear purple. I'm just learning English. I like when whores when whores when whores wear purple, <laughs> they turn what? Um, I also went to that taping as well. So what was it like doing a full? I, I don't want to say a full length special, but a longer special. Um, Did you memorize everything, or is there a cue card? Uh, they had they had a uh, teleprompter. Okay. To remind me to do certain jokes, but I've been running that hour forever, so I okay. I, I knew it in my head, but I just didn't. I, I would forget certain things I could order, but you know I knew the the stories and stuff like that. Yeah. I always forget the order. Like there'll be just like one thing that just like slips my mind once I've been. Yeah, on stage actually, the other night I did a callback. I did a joke. I, I mean, I did my final joke of my set, like my closer, and then I realized at the end it's a callback to another joke. That I never told. So I just like ended <laughs> and I thought I was going to get this big applause round. And then I'm like, wait, I never told that joke. I just had a call back to something I never said. So the audience had no idea what I was referring to. And then I was like, you're welcome. Good night. <laughs> See, that's when the brain fart, you just have to just say it. Just yeah. be like, you guys missed a great joke because I didn't share it. But it was a great joke. And you're going to have to come back. You're right. I should have just stopped and acknowledged it. But it was like. Acknowledged its beauty. Because you're right. that's part of your inner beauty, good. Rachel. Thank you. Okay. Um, so right now, do you host any guided meditation? <laughs> yeah, you know what? I had this character, Doctor Lazarus, when I first like left my doctorate to do stand up, and she sold silence. Um, she told med- she she sold me- this is when CDs were around, so she t- sold meditations of silence. Med- sorry, CDs of silence. Oh, yeah. 
How? Wait, she just sold just silence? Yeah, I, that was my like gag. They were all terrible puns. <laughs> like, it was like all that. Oh, okay. For some reason, I thought this was somebody real, even though you just said Doctor Lazarus. But that's hilarious. Yeah. And then some of them had the like director's commentary. That's on it. amazing. That she sold CDs of silence. That's that would have been weird. She also sold mirrors with her face in it, so you didn't have to face your fears or face your face alone, <laughs> or fear your face. Oh my alone. god! Yeah, they were all Dr. Lazarus. You can go to her website. Jessica um, Curzon does this thing in the middle of her set where if a joke isn't going her way, she talks to the wall, and it's I one of the funniest that. things I've ever seen. I can't get enough of her talking to the wall. I just pray it happens. You know. I know. So a joke doesn't go well, and then she'll just turn to the wall, and she'll be like, wheat bread is still bread, Jessica. They all know you're going to go home and eat a loaf of wheat bread. Like she's, And she'll be like, I ate oatmeal. A lot of it's about food. She'll be like, you know you're going to go home and fuck your throat with a sleeve of Oreos. Stop lying. And, I, I, and then she'll just turn back to the audience and start a new joke fresh. And I die. I can't get enough of that. It makes me feel so good to know, though. Yeah. <laughs> We'd be like, the man in the front is not your father. Stop treating him like your father. He's not your father rejecting you. All right, I'm going to stop doing Jessica Kirsten's acts, but check her out. She's so you, hilarious. You've lived with Sherrod Small. You've lived with Amy Schumer. Are there other comedians that you live with? Um, No, that's it. Uh, Amy and Sherrod. Yeah. Does it ever feel like too much or no? That's sort of a like, um, loaded question. No, no, because because you know with comedians, they're, it, it's weird. People are always like, "Are you guys on?" But it's the opposite. It's like you don't. Nobody. No, okay, everybody so understands that you do stand up, and then you have all these other aspects to your character. So comics get that they don't expect you to be funny. I also so it's think relaxing. I think on is like okay. So whenever I say something of that nature, like oh that person's on, what I'm actually saying is either I don't find them funny, or their energy is nervous and making me uncomfortable. Yeah. But, yeah. like, if someone's making you laugh, you're never going to be like, oh, can you stop it? Please. Yeah. Please cut it out. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's nice. It's relaxing to be around comics because, yeah. because then you don't feel like you have to do anything. They get it. And, yeah. And, and they also relate to the life and the... Yeah, I often wish yeah. I had started out in it because I feel like I would have so many more friends in comedy, even though I love my friends and there is positives to having people outside of the field. I do miss, I miss the laughter, Rachel. I miss the <laughs> humor, but I'm helping so many Laotian refugees. What are you guys doing? I, that is, wait, tell me more about the refugees. I'm not. Oh, I'm you're not. not. Oh, I really thought you were involved in a refugee program. <laughs> now, I now get, I feel. I don't understand e irony anymore, I guess. Now I feel even worse than I did before. <laughs> Thank you. No. Thank you. Thank you. And Katie, then <laughs> you're helping so many with this podcast. You've already helped me today. I want your voice in your head. head. Yes. Okay. Um, and so then I also wanted to ask about Red Oaks. Oh, um, yeah. Because I really liked that. I did watch it. And I really did like <laughs> It's about growing up in the 80s and sort of like the suburban. Jewish uh, summer camp. Yeah. Yeah. And, Country um, club, not summer camp. You, Country club. You were such a perfect wife in that. Thank you. Oversexed wife, I would say. <laughs> I was... Uh, was the part written for you? Yes. My uh, first sex scene. <laughs> Is that true? Yeah. I'm thinking for a second. Yeah. It's kind of exciting. I mean, no nudity, but just... Yeah. And it was supposed to be hilarious, not sexy scene. Yeah. But it was still nerve-wracking, you know? Um, my other question is, you were able to wear stilettos and things... And, I, like, I get why I was, like, wearing... I was wearing my dance go clogs. I had interviewed someone at Tribeca Film Festival, and it was a... I don't want to say like a basketball wife, but it was like it was an athlete, a woman who is gorgeous, but like she was all decked out. 
is what I will say. It was like 11 a.m. for Tribeca. And there's a picture of us. And I look like a human troll because I'm not wearing heels. I look really silly. Wait, what? What? where? I don't understand. At, tri- at a Tribeca Film Festival. Just at the festival. Okay. Yeah. And so, like, in the pictures, I look idiotic. And so my my so I want to be able to wear heels on stage. But isn't it uncomfortable after a while walking around them? Or you don't have to walk um, around that far? I don't. Right now, I mean, I wear heels more right now. I'm wearing boots. Wait, you only like when I'm doing specials and stuff. I like to dr- wear a dress and heels. Yeah, it's fun to dress up, you know. Yes, and, I love that part. But uh, yeah, I love dresses. I just like I love dresses. Yeah, you always like dresses and I've skirts. Always, you've always, like yeah. In fact, when I started to wear jeans and stuff to try to like fit in into the like <laughs> comedy world of like the improv world kind of thing, it was like shocking because I never owned jeans before Yeah, I that. usually saw you in skirts. Yeah. Pretty skirts. Lovely yeah. skirts. But um, I mean, I wear jeans a lot too, but whenever I do a special, I, uh, you put yeah, on. I'll yeah. just try to I, I wear a dress and heels and um, my feet hurt, but <laughs> I like doing it for an hour. Okay. And, and that's fun. it. It's fun to dress up sometimes. And so when you yeah. go to events and things like that, you just wear the heels and it doesn't hurt? It depends. You know, the, when, uh, the heels I wore for my first half hour special these Mew Mew, do you know that? Am I saying yeah. the name of the yeah, plan, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, Somebody yeah. lent them to me, and I don't know about such things. Prada. Yeah. Yeah, so she, this friend of my younger brother's, who's like a stylist, lent me these heels, and, she, you know, they hurt like hell. And when I walked down the stairs, I, I sort of fell on my way Jesus. into the special, like, as they're about to intro me. I took, it was like a, I didn't fully fall. Yeah. It was kind of like a horse stumble. I just kind of, like, lunged <laughs> forward awkwardly and then recollected myself. And they had to keep redoing my entrance because. <laughs> you kept falling over. Yeah, because I kept falling. I, and, you know, actually, it made me less nervous because after I fell, I'm like, well, I've, I've fallen. Like, that's the yeah. worst. That's your nightmare totally. of what's going to happen. So from here, who gives a shit, you know? Totally. And it just proves that you're not a pratfall comic. <laughs> that was it. I just wanted to say how much I adore your comedy. I really want people to come check you out. And you are touring right now as well. You're going to D.C. Um, D.C. Draft And then house. Arizona. Yeah. Um, and then you perform all around town. But you'll be at the Comedy Cellar a yes. lot. Um, I'm at the Comedy Cellar and... Uh, I'm at the DC Draft House on April 20th through the 22nd, and then, and then Arizona, I'm in Tempe, Arizona. But I can't remember the dates in May. But people can go to Rachel Feinstein, Rachel-Feinstein.com, and, and get involved in my journey. <laughs> they can get I said that in with your journey, just with such sadness. More passion, <laughs> more passion. You're not glaring in your journey. But, Fuck but yeah, get involved with my fucking journey. <laughs> I apologize um, for Ra- cursing. Rachel, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Catherine. Thank you. Oh, my God. You really know me. (laughs) That's it for this episode. Isn't she a delight? I thought that was super fun. Please go to employeeofthemonthshow.com. You can go to at Katie Lazarus and follow me. Not scary. Not weird. It might be weird, but it also might be a a lot of fun as an adventure. Thanks to Rob Schulte. Thanks to ACAST. And thanks to all of you for listening. I'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. 